0: This week on Another Brother,
1: creativity,
2: imagination. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were
1: going to leave it at what do your
0: creative outlets? <laughs> Period. It's going in Drax mode. <laughs> <laughs> at 10 p.m.
1: Oh, that's, yeah, that's way later. Okay.
0: An explosion. Is heard for miles around Kay's cross. The cross is now to this day in pieces scattered over a great distance.
1: Creativity.
2: Imagination. <laughs>
1: Rainbow overhead. What is your creative outlets? English. What do your creative outlets do for you? Oh, I thought you were going to leave it at what do your creative outlets. <laughs>
0: Period. It's going in Drax mode. <laughs>
1: I'll do you one better. <laughs> you fill in the rest. I don't think I was the most creative in the family. Sports, mostly, I feel like, took my free time and my interests and stuff. There was CAD drafting, you know, I did that in high school. But later in life, I mean, I always liked drawing as a kid. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Sure. Oh, I did wood shop. I guess, in middle school. I liked wood shop a lot. I did some of that in the garage after. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, I feel like it kind of... I don't know if grounding is the right word. It it does something though. Like it it's just kind of calming. It helps get out. I don't know. Your wiggles? No.
2: The wiggles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are creative. Just it, baggage, I guess. If there if you've just got anything stress, uh difficult times whatever, jumping into something creative is just a way to kind of well it's an outlet. In that, for me, it allows me to just kind of drop that stuff for a little while. Mm-hmm. Just focus on something. Something fun, something I enjoy. Like what? Well, I don't have much right now. You know, I do my little... I don't even want to say it. <laughs> okay. I got my GoPro, you know, so I'm on okay. the trails and running stuff Great. for family vacations. I take little videos on the GoPro and then come together, put it on YouTubes. They're pretty crappy, but it's fun (laughs) (laughs) nonetheless it's a good creative outlet
0: yeah yeah sometimes i just get i don't know overloaded with creative desires Mm -hmm. like and then i won't know what to do about it i'm being torn in different directions and i'll just end up like playing minecraft (laughs) <laughs> and I, I get, I get the the creativity wiggles out that way, but I don't really end up with a product in the end that many people can appreciate. Like I told Henry that in our Minecraft server, I hit a castle somewhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not done yet. Yeah, I've never tried to build something this big before, and it's even
1: it's not even that big. But if you've never built something to this scale, it's pretty big. I guess. Knowing what knowing what you have built before. I, I
2: This might be a hard under, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <Yeah>. but
0: <laughs> I mostly it's it's just a lot of detail mm. that I haven't had to do before. Or like it's it's kind of like this round or uh, octagonal castle with stupidly Four different entrances. The whole thing is symmetrical. Not just on one axis, but on like eight axes. You know, like the four gatehouses yeah. are, are all at the north, south, east, mm-hmm. west positions. And they're all exactly the same. And all they all go upstairs that are the same. And there's this like... Skybridge type thing. It always makes me think of a mall when I see it, but it's not supposed to be like a mall that comes out. I, why yeah. am I talking about this? Um Yeah, I I I'll I'll get sucked into that, and it's it's stupid because it scratches that itch, but it doesn't really feel satisfying at the end
2: either. Mm. I don't know why I do it. Finding satisfaction in creative stuff is kind of hard because. To really get into a creative zone, it's kind of taxing emotionally, mm-hmm. intellectually, mm-hmm. and it can feel like work almost sometimes. Yeah, And so I feel like creative stuff, at least for me, has become much harder as an adult Huh? because I feel like I have this bandwidth for work. Right. And when I get to the end of the day, it's like, how much bandwidth do I have? Do I want to do music? Do mm. I want to... You know, right. And it's tough because you know that if you do it, you can get those moments where you get the creative juices going. And those moments, you feel the control, you feel the freedom, you feel the sandbox feeling of this is something I'm making and I can do whatever I want. Right. Which is so different from most work and school and other activities we do in a day. Yeah.
0: I think the other problem, especially for an adult, is that to really be able to maximize your creativity, you have to allow yourself time to be bored. Mm -hmm. Boredom is super important for your creativity. And in America, and especially in Utah, you're supposed to be busy all the time. So people yeah. that really commit to the life of a creative, I mean, there are plenty of YouTubers that get burned out and just mm-hmm. like quit for a year or more because, because they, they can't allow themselves time to be bored because
1: that algorithm is always working for them a lot of the time. It also is because they start to become too, I'm going to say business oriented Eventually, they lose the passion because it is their work. It's their job. And so they start worrying too much about the numbers, the amount of views, how long the views are, all the statistics, and they kind of get, they lose having done what they were loving. I mean, their boss is a robot. Yeah. (laughs) Being a creative on the internet
0: today sucks. Yeah. Yeah. The algorithms are always what's in control Mm of what ends up being just seen by people even. Let alone like deciding how your money is made. Yeah. Did I did I already mention I think I did in the last No, I didn't. So Larissa is on Fiverr, mm-hmm. which is also very algorithmic. Yeah. Does voiceover work and teaches voice lessons. And we recorded this script that we got. It was like a super low ball five dollar order. I think No, no, it was not. It was a $70 order. Uh, and I guess we just did too good of a job because the guy, as soon as he got the file, said, cancel my order immediately. This is AI. You didn't oh, record yeah, this. You so are cheating. <laughs> cancel it now. And we, we had no idea what to do. Larissa did eventually cancel the order. The guy just got that file for free. But the the dilemma was, what hurts you more? Canceling the order hurts you in the algorithm, I mean. Right. Canceling someone's order or not canceling it, getting your money. Because they use an escrow where before the order is really put into motion, they have to put the money in. So once you deliver the file, you get paid. But that is the only protection they have in place for the... For the workers there. Okay. Because if we didn't cancel, they probably would have given a one star review. Yeah. And said something nasty. And maybe that would have hurt us in the algorithm more. We don't know. Oh. Mm-hmm. But after she canceled that order, she was getting like two or three hundred views a week, I think. Like 10, 10 a week for a month. Because it looks bad to the algorithm that you canceled yeah. this person's order. Mm-hmm. And there may be, there may be things on there where you can like say, Hey, guess what, guys? (laughs) I just got screwed and you need to look into that and not screw me for this. But I mean, I'm not running her account. She's, she's running her own account, but it's just annoying. I love being creative, but trying to make money off of it in a society that doesn't value it is a bummer. Yeah.
2: I feel like that's what's hard too is that. When we're kids, it just kind of comes naturally. And it's because Mm -hmm. you're not doing it for anyone. You're not doing it for money. You're not doing it to impress anyone. You're not doing it to show anyone how creative you are, how good you are at a certain task or skill. Yeah, You're just kind of doing it because you want to. The scale of the vulnerability necessary is a little bit smaller. Exactly. You're just Mm -hmm. like bursting with it and you don't care. And you have no reason why you should care. There's nothing going on in your head saying, oh, you should be embarrassed about this. (laughs) Or, oh, you, you shouldn't feel good about using your time in this way because it's not producing anything. Right. It's really hard to get out of that. But like for me with music, I know when I was writing music just because I had to, especially on the mission where I didn't really have any other outlets and I'd get an hour at night to kind of unwind. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I bought a, you know, guitar from some secondhand store just because I had to have something. I feel like the songs I was doodling on the mission are some of my best stuff. They're way better, but it's not like I could do anything with them. I was just doing it because I had to do something. I had to express. I had to kind of get it out there and now sometimes I feel like oh I want to write a song and I'll sit down and try to do it and it doesn't work (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. because I'm trying to do it. Right. But if I'm just doodling and that's why when you said bored it just like struck me because that's it. It's when I'm bored at a piano that good stuff happens. I'm going to the piano with a purpose nothing happens. Right. Or at least nothing good in my opinion happens. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: that's why I was just going to point out it's interesting to me and Alex you mentioned on Minecraft Mm -hmm. a lot of the times the end result you said isn't that satisfying right I'm wondering it's like when I finish one of my videos (laughs) I I know wholeheartedly it's pretty much garbage you know despite like how great of a tool I'm using because it's like a professional grade video editing tool and everything and The GoPro actually captures some pretty dang good footage. But I don't know what the heck I'm doing. But at the end of the day, once it's done and I'm viewing it and I'm showing the Heather and the kids, like I'm really happy with it. Yeah. I'm pretty proud, even though I know it's not good. (laughs) I'm wondering for you guys. So again, I, I I think of you guys, heck Lizzie, Lizzie too, as like actual creatives. Like you can actually create stuff worth creating. So I almost wonder if, like, in your minds, you have higher standards, whether it's conscious or subconscious, and so it's harder for you to be satisfied with the output because you're you have a larger yardstick you're right. measuring against than someone right. like I would. I have so
0: many thoughts about everything
1: that you, <laughs> you,
2: you just said, but <laughs> I like to extend the segment. <laughs> um,
0: I first i take <laughs> I take issue with have something of value to create. I mean, you have to take issue with that. As someone who works creatively, you have to take issue with anybody saying that ever. Because who's to say, like, if you start to think that about other people too much, it's too easy to think that about yourself. Yeah, that's fair. You you have to be able to find the value in, in all creativity, which I know sounds really snowflakey and whatever, but it's just true. Like, That's the way vulnerability works. You have to be open to your own vulnerability and open to everyone else's vulnerability. But I think one of my major issues with not feeling satisfied is that I get anxious. And anxiety kind of forces you to be living now. You can't see past what you're feeling and seeing and thinking right now. And this castle that I'm (laughs) building in Minecraft is going to take a while to finish still. And I can't see past the anxiety that I'm feeling right now about, is this going to be any good to the day when it's actually finished and I can show it off or, or not show it off because I'm going to leave it a secret. Someone has to find it and there's going to be treasure inside. And and then maybe they take it for their own base or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, that's what, that's what I struggle with is, is being able to get outside of now to look to the, to the end zone and see that, that payoff that's in the future.
2: I guess for me what comes to mind is it's really hard to strip away all of the thought patterns and the preconceptions and the structure that we kind of try to enforce on everything Hmm. for good reason to try to have a functioning society and (laughs) somewhat of order in the world. But creatively, I think that ends up working to your detriment because you believe that you can establish some kind of order and a lot of creativity is about organizing stuff that is chaos mm-hmm. into an organized mm-hmm. form but I feel like the trap is thinking that you're you're actually organizing something because to you it's getting organized but to someone else it might not make sense how you're organizing it right but and it's that's what just, makes it your work yeah exactly and so I can't remember I think it was the guitarist, ironically, of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who once had an interview and someone was asking him about his guitar solo style and how he would compare himself with Hendrix and other people he kind of looked up to. And he really took issue with the idea of anyone writing a song. And his point was basically like, no one writes songs. Everyone, especially the good ones you honestly feel like they're received Mm. in a way. And it sounds like weird and kind of superstitious, but I mean, I've not written anything professionally music-wise, but I kind of get what he means when he Mm. says that because there's sometimes musically where your brain just kind of shuts off. Mm. And if you've ever seen Soul, Mm. the Pixar movie, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they kind of go to that other realm that's like totally a real thing. <laughs> I've totally experienced that tons of times, especially with the piano. And it's when everything kind of shuts off and you're just there. And you're not worried about how you're organizing things, you're just doing it. It's just happening. You're you're like tapping into something. That's when that's when the good stuff happens. Yeah, cuz not only is the stuff you produce usually better, and you know, better subjective, but it kind of resonates deep, deeper with you. But you also realize that in the moment you weren't caring.
1: Mm, yeah.
2: And it's really hard to get yourself in that frame of mind. And the older I get, the harder it gets. I feel like I could tap into that all the time as a teenager. It's getting harder now because I feel huh. like as an adult, you're just saddled with more and more kind of thoughts and structures, and you're trying to organize and push a level of control into your life that you want to see. But real creativity, I think, is realizing that you can't really do that. And you kind of just have to go into it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, How? And you have to have time to be bored. Exactly. Un- completely unstructured, no planned
0: activity whatsoever, not sure what to do. You just have to figure out something to entertain yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like kids today don't get that opportunity <laughs> as much. Like, especially around here in Utah, parents really plan the crap out of all of their kids' time. And you you just gotta, I mean, they. I'm not gonna tell anybody how to parent their kids, but as far as the psychology of creativity goes, letting them entertain themselves, figure it out for themselves is
2: important. Well, and I worry about, social media too and stuff because right. a lot of kids that's their first exposure to creativity mm. and yeah. if you're seeing it on social media your first impulse might be I have to get it here if it's not here it doesn't matter mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm.
1: back to the whole question of value social media does not show people where value is <laughs> Right, it's so right. vain and so fake yeah if, if that's where kids form their concepts of creativity that is extremely unhealthy
2: for sure yeah because i i think about kids who are like really into art and it's like wow that's awesome that they have the whole internet at their disposal Mm. they can check out so many different styles of art they can follow artists they can reach out to people by email they can get tons of advice like the internet's just given them this huge way to break into this world Not to mention tutorials for how to learn Mm -hmm. how to use all kinds of computerized tools. Yeah, the the world's kind of open to them. But at the same time, if they're only experiencing it through that sphere, I mean, are they doodling? Are they just sitting down with a piece of paper and seeing what happens? Or are they always going into it thinking, I got to post this. I got to sell this somehow. Right. That's what kind of freaks me out. Cause I don't want my kids to grow up like that yeah. I want them to just goof how many around. likes yeah. how many likes can I get yeah. from this yeah. idea yeah yeah right
0: now my big creative project when I'm not when I'm not uh, in Minecraft uh, I'm actually not in Minecraft frequently these days but right now I'm trying to build a from scratch world and mythos in which we can play D&D and d once we do oh, finally yeah. get some d d episodes of the podcast yeah. going. And I'm enjoying it. I've never tried anything like this before, really, to, to this kind of scale. It's an interesting problem. And I'm glad that it comes with its own constraints because I hate a blank canvas. I have to invent some kind of constraints to give myself that kite string mm-hmm. yeah, that, that allows the kite to fly. I want this to be completely compatible with D and D fifth edition, and whatever's coming soon after it. In twenty twenty four, they've got a brand new. It's not brand new. It's like an evolution of fifth edition, where they're changing things, but it's all completely backwards compatible with fifth edition at the same time. Huh. And people are play testing. They, they do public betas. That's smart. Public uh, play tests. Yeah. Of, of everything. And so we're in the seventh edition of this playtesting of this new material and uh, people are having a lot of fun with it. They still, for my for my money, they still can't get the monk quite right. They just, they don't know how to make it different or maybe they don't even know why it needs to be different, which is probably a problem. Anyway, it needs to be compatible with with that because that's the system i know i don't want to create a whole new tabletop role playing game system i want people if if somehow miracle of miracles people actually start listening to this podcast <laughs> and hear us playing in this setting this unique setting that we have and want to play it themselves then you know it needs to be something that i can just here's the material yeah go play with the rules you already know which means all of the domains of the cleric need to fit in correctly, which means there needs to be a system of higher powers in place that fit into those domains. So I need to come up with the the religion. All the monsters need to fit in somehow, so I can't go too far off base with, uh, like, any any story elements unique to this i mean i you you could say uh none of this type of creature none of that type of creature just this type of creature whatever i could do that but i just want to make it super easy for people as few restrictions as possible in that regard yeah but i'm really enjoying it i don't know i don't totally know where i was going <laughs> when i brought this up but every morning i read some scriptures maybe eat some breakfast and then i go for a walk right yeah. right near our house near all of our houses in fact is a little nature trail it's not very long it's maybe i don't know what would you say 150 yards tops 100 yards maybe 2 200 <laughs> maybe okay maybe i don't know it runs along a creek trees are covering the entire thing like you're going down a hallway of trees and i just walk back and forth on that stretch of 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 the trail uh just thinking about all of these ideas and it's the only way I'm able to make any progress with these ideas at all. I don't know why, but when I do make progress, I get some new idea and I'm like, Oh, finally this piece is solved. This piece is solved. It works together. It feels good. It feels really like I just feel whole.
1: Yeah. So Jared was saying, big enough subject we might need to extend this episode I think we should maybe take creativity to the next episode and talk about that What does it feel like when you nail it Ah,
0: are you curious about the world around you Do you question why mysterious things happen? Join us, and perhaps you will be surprised by this... totally solved mystery. Cross is a mysterious, man-made monument in Kaysville, Utah that has long been the subject of many stories over many decades. Tonight, I will tell you two of these stories. Nice. Kaysville itself is a relatively affluent city in northern Utah, about the size of our hometown of Kaiser. hmm uh-huh. We live just on the north side of Kaysville in Layton. The town was once full of farmland, more rural than anything else, but little of that Kaysville is left today. Today, the vast majority of the city is suburban, sprawled on a relatively narrow spot of land touching both the Great Salt Lake and the Wasatch Mountains. Near the Kaysville City Cemetery, In an area of town where the ground begins to pitch upward toward the mountains, not quite foothills, but neither valley floor, there is a small area that remains undeveloped to this day. Within that undeveloped area is a grove of scrub oak. Within that grove of scrub oak, there is a depression. Within that depression, there is a hollow where the scrub oak doesn't grow. (laughs) And within that hollow is Kay's cross. The cross was erected sometime after World War II when the land was owned by a polygamist family. It stood 20 feet tall and 13 feet wide. Unlike a more traditional cross, each of the four separate lengths of the cross get wider as they move out from the center intersection. It is made mostly of stone and mortar, with what many have interpreted to be a letter K in the center. But this is where the story turns to the shadows. Because, as this story goes, that is not a letter K.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: The polygamist family mentioned earlier was a man with six wives. Aside from the fact that it was a polygamist family, all seemed well. (laughs) At first, they farmed their land and lived quietly. They were seen in town from time to time and were known to be of a friendly sort. And then the cross appeared. Most people thought it was meant to be a marker to show people where the family's land began. They figured it was marked with the letter K because the family's name was Cain.
1: Hmm.
0: Soon, the Kanes were seen less and less in town, and when Mr. Kane was seen, he was mistrusting, short-tempered, and paranoid. Several months after the cross was first discovered, a local wanted to see the cross for themselves. And when they arrived, found six graves encircling it. Not thinking much of it, the land was close to the cemetery after all, they went home. But news of the graves began to spread until it reached the ears of the local sheriff. The sheriff put two and two together, six wives and six graves, an unstable Mr. Kane, and decided he needed to investigate. He first decided to check on whether those graves were real or not. As he hiked from the cemetery through the scrub oak, an unnatural chill settled in his heart. When he entered the hollow, the sheriff forgot all about the cross, or even the graves. A man was found hanging by the neck from a tree near the cross. It was Mr. Kane himself.
1: Unexpected twist.
0: After cutting down the deceased, the sheriff searched the farm and the house, but there was no sign of the wives... Aside from the six graves encircling the cross all of their belongings were intact all of their food was in place there was no sign of hurry most people thought that would be the end of the story another man gone crazy maybe he brought back more from the war than just some stories of bravery
1: what did he serve mm-hmm uh uh-huh.
0: Many frightening things began to be seen in the hollow of Kay's cross after this point. Reports began of seeing skinwalkers or demon dogs. Really? Others said they had seen the spirits of women around the cross. Still others professed to witnessing satanic rituals taking place at the cross. And like the gift that keeps on giving, the story takes another strange twist. Many years later, on the night of February 25th, 1992,
1: at 10 p.m. Oh, that's, yeah, that's way later. Okay.
0: An explosion is heard for miles around Kay's cross. The cross is now, to this day, in pieces scattered over a great distance. Forensics is unable to reveal a specific explosive, despite the police arriving only minutes after the detonation. Also of note, the graves that many saw previously are no longer present. Do you remember how I said the K on the cross wasn't actually a K? I
1: already forgot, but yes, I remember now. (laughs)
0: As it turns out, it is actually a pagan rune of binding, (laughs) a combination of the runes Gisaz for deception, and Kaunan for mortality. Old Mr. Kane thought himself so lucky to find and marry six good Christian women, but he actually married six witches. The details can't be known for certain, but the story goes that these six witches eventually hacked the mind of Mr. Kane as part of a ritual they would perform to trick death. Uh, First, they needed the okay. cross with the binding rune, which they probably had him build for them. Okay, I haven't heard any of
1: this part of it. All the switch stuff is new to me.
0: Then they needed to be buried alive surrounding the cross. Finally, to power the ritual, the sacrifice of Mr. Cain. Feels kind of icky, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not like writing that out. With the ritual a success, the witches left what was once their graves to who knows where.
1: That's one story of the cross. So, what kind of sources do we have on this like the witches? All of that story. All Mr. Of that Kane, story. the wives, the graves. Yeah.
0: Records, county records, I think it is, do show that the land was owned by a polygamist family.
1: Okay. I
0: don't believe e- their name was Kane.
1: Okay. Even that part, I wasn't sure if that was even substantiated. Yes, it is. Okay.
0: Graves around the...
1: Right.
2: It's just okay. anecdotal. Yeah. Is the hanging anecdotal? Because I... I was curious if the officers could tell if he hanged himself or was lynched. Right. Mm. Or
1: police records that there even was. Yeah, either a suicide or homicide.
0: I couldn't find anything online. Yeah. and as much as I wanted to, I did not go do any real sleeping right. yeah. to find any records <laughs> yeah. of this out of the
1: Kaysville Town Hall. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, here's here's the, the other story. The blog kayscross.blogspot.com published the writing of a man who claims to have helped construct the cross.
1: Interesting. These are his words.
0: In the summer of 1946, a man came to the people of the co-op with a plan he wanted to present to us. He called himself Dr. Penkovic, but wanted to be referred to as Krishna Venta, which when translated to our language meant Christ returned. He was organizing a group in California and was forming this group into a form of united order. He was trying to get more people to join his group and wanted our people to join him. The leader of the co-op was Charles Eldon Kingston, who wanted to be known and referred to as Brother Eldon, and wanted to portray himself as being on an equal with all the members, and our group was to be referred to as the Order. At the same time, he was clearly the leader of our group. I went to Brother Eldon with my concerns because I didn't believe Mr. Penkovic was Christ (laughs) and he informed me he was of the same belief. However, he welcomed Penkovic in order to give all the members the chance to follow him if they chose. This man was about six feet tall, very good looking, wore a long robe, went barefoot, and had a full beard. After... Checks all those boxes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) After attending a few of our meetings, he informed us that he wanted us to build a stone cross at the farm in Kaysville to pay tribute to the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Brother Eldon agreed and organized a crew to do this. The men chosen to do this were Alan or Mac Franson, Alfred Grundvig, Ammon and Ivan Nielsen, Ernie Ekstrom, Merlin Kingston, Malvern Hansen, and Gerald Hansen. There may have been others, I am not sure. A place was chosen on the hillside, and we began working there. It started by us digging an excavation about a foot deep, about ten feet long and about six feet wide, Then we took three pieces of steel rails that had been used in the coal mine to form the support for the cross. Two of these rails were about ten feet long, and the third one about six feet long. The two long rails were wired together at about three feet from the top end, then the cross rail wired to them. Then this structure was driven into the ground at the center of the excavation. Then it was supported in the upright position and concrete-filled the excavation, holding it all in place. Merlin, Gerald, and myself had the job of gathering the rocks to make the structure. We got these rocks along the upper road where Cherry Hill's subdivision now is. Hmm. We chose rocks of suitable size and shape to do a good job. This cross was about nine feet tall and at the cross arm about seven feet wide the center of the cross about six feet high. At the base it was about four feet square and at the ends of the arms it was about three feet square, sloping to about two feet where they all came together. On the south face, right in the center was a recession about three inches deep and twenty inches high and fourteen inches wide. Formed into this recession was the letter K which represented the word knowledge.
1: Huh, that's not Nearly as intriguing. Oh, it'll make sense later. I mean, it's not super intriguing, but it'll (laughs) make
0: sense later. After the foundation had hardened, Mac and Alfred laid up the rocks. I had the job of mixing the mortar, which held the rocks together. Rather than regular mortar, this was made of concrete without rocks in the mixture, which made a very strong structure. Ernie created the form, which formed the letter K. The cross was never completed as we stopped work on it when Penkovic returned to California. Now, a brief review about Penkovic. This is not my words. This is still this man. Yeah. He was born and named Francis Herman Penkovic, March 29th, 1911, and had his name legally changed to Krishna Venta in California court in 1951. He openly stated he was Jesus Christ. He also claimed to have come to Earth with a convoy of rocket ships from the planet Neophrates, which had been destroyed for the wickedness of its people. Soon after he left here, he formed a religious cult named WKFL, Wisdom, Faith, Knowledge, Love, at Chatsworth, California. He died in a suicide bombing carried out by two of his followers who blew up themselves and eight other people after he had been intimate with the wives of these men. Mm. That's the end of his story. It seems <laughs> like Occam's razor would suggest this is probably the true story. <laughs> 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 but I, I have a few issues with it. Like, I've seen pictures of the cross before it got blown up. Uh huh. People sitting on it, people standing next to it. It's definitely a twenty foot cross. it's big. It's not nine feet tall. He said it was nine feet
2: tall. It's huge. I feel like people in historical records will often just matter of factly say measurements for stuff yeah. It <laughs> drives me nuts yeah. because they're always like this was fifteen inches and this was thirty two feet and it, you know they're just like pulling it out and in the moment because reading historical biographies you get. All these kind of different accounts. So yeah, I'm not surprised that the measurements are just kind of all over the place. All right. Yeah. Well, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> so much for that
1: disapproval. But I mean, the iron bars, I remember right from like photos of the wreckage after it was blown up because it really was actually blown up. There were True that big metal cross beams mm-hmm. sticking out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I looked into those runes Oh, yeah. They're real. Like, those two runes stuck together do make something
2: that looks like like a K. K. Well, and if you saw pictures, you know, that's the best proof, right? Right. Judging by height and trying to figure it out. And that does feel weird that someone would conjure up a story about the runes, because that seems like very specific knowledge to have. And to know to combine them to make a K is kind of... There's something there. Feels a little weird. Yeah.
1: I want to look at this Ben guy.
0: Is this another paranormal hour? Or a totally solved (laughs) mystery? (laughs) You decide.
1: (laughs) But to this day, the current owners of the property do a haunted house. They don't do it, actually.
0: My research says that some other guy who grew up in the area had always wanted to do one there and he got permission from uh, the landowners. Okay. Nevertheless. Yeah, I wonder if they enough. get a cut. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sure they do. Yeah, they, they must, do. right? Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: I want to do it because it's a haunted forest type thing. Yeah. not a, so I think there not? is a haunted house portion, but it's mostly... Because there's a lot of unsanctioned or illegal uh, motorbike, like motocross type trails out there. I think they've probably just taken over those trails, and those are the trails you walk through now as yeah. part of this haunted experience. Hmm.
1: But I want to do it. Yeah, I'm down. They say. <laughs> I guess I'm going to tell you a third story.
0: <laughs> they say on a full moon, the cross will glow, and if you touch it, it will burn you.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll take pictures again. I don't. I don't recall how much of it is left standing the cross beam part of the cross
0: and the and the top coming out of that is just right behind it it just kind of fell over but the base got sent to kingdom come
2: right we got to get Travis and Dragon <laughs> and the crew out here <laughs> <laughs> with their instruments to be yeah. fair
0: i used the word skinwalker but from the descriptions that people were giving it, it sounded, sounded a lot like a skinwalker. okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. To Jared's point, Travel Channel has come. To K's, K's Cross. Cross. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Ghost Hunters, I think. I don't know. No, remember. Ghost Adventures. That's that's the name the, of the, the show. The worst one. Yeah. I think they're the worst. <laughs> Even thing. worse. I want to find it really badly now. Watch That it. episode? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, in the meantime, Haunted K's Cross's website... Has a little YouTube video of their own mm-hmm. about the cross you can watch. It's definitely produced to get people to come <laughs> to the haunted house thing, but
1: yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Dang it, that's what I was going to do. Oh, shoot. Dude, you're going to do better. Thank you for being our brother. Wow, did you just nail that? That might be too energetic, though. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll take another run at it then. Okay. For For being being our our brother. The first one was too energy. (laughs) Gotcha production of this podcast is done by alex stewart with music by jared poff and alex stewart for show notes rock and merch
0: and other brother goodness check out our website at anotherbrotherpodcast.com.
1: be sure to come back next week and tell your friends so they too can become a brother over, here, brother over